everybody. Welcome to Augmenters. I'm Julie. And this is Jimmy. Hello. We are two business founders who started out as solopreneurs, yet found our greatest success when working with others. Mentoring is key to incredible relationships, and the Augmenters platform will help you get further faster because great relationships lead to better business and more fulfilling lives. You are here because you want to help others shine and see the light in themselves. We will support you in your mentoring journey with advice, tools, and stories that will augment your relationships to the next level. So strap on your ear pods, prepare to listen generously, and become an augmenter with us. Jimmy, I forgot my headphones again. No worries. Just turn up the volume into this next Augmenters episode. Julie, good afternoon. How are you doing, Jimmy? I'm great. I'm great. We are having this wonderful conversation with another Baltimorean, Rashim, very shortly. How pumped are you? I'm so pumped. I'm so pumped. I love everything that this woman is doing from her DE&I work to her counter-narrative show to also doing what we love to do the best of many things talking about mentoring, but also putting two really cool words together because she has taken mentorship and created research called Mentor Shape, which I just cannot wait to hear all about. Mentor Shape. She goes deep into it, specifically her research on Black women in PhD doctorate programs and how they are supported and build community across institutions and within the institutions. Yeah, it's like, a, I don't want to say like, it's like micro, micro mentoring. Is that a way to describe it? Or maybe more like niche mentoring? Niche, but like, you know, micro influencers are a big deal. Yeah. They can be very powerful. Yes. Micro greens, you know, don't sleep on the nutrition. So maybe micro is okay. Yeah, it's a really specific uh, mentoring that she talks specifically about, but it could inspire folks to think about their particular community, a real niche community that has really specific needs and is their power in creating mentoring specifically uh, within these small groups. Like for example, there could be, we could start a mentoring for people who podcast, <laughs> also run real estate, are tall, have daughters. I think, I think we'd run out of attributes. <laughs> and I don't know if that is a growing uh, community Unlike the community that Rashim was studying that is growing very fast in higher ed. So it's important that these communities are building, which is a big deal and really exciting. Uh, but but it, it is amazing that when you can find folks who want to support you and want to continue to show up, when sometimes you don't have to as much ask for help, folks are asking you if you need help. That can really be a big deal to start uh, seeing changes. And Rashim says it very well with her uh, elocution with words, as only a doctor can. I love how we get into a little bit of quotes from Oprah that are then rapidly followed up by SpongeBob. I think only Rashim has been able to drop that on us. Uh, I think I wish, I wonder if I can ever have such a way with words as she does. And she also brought us the great gift of the no-fly list, which we have not thought of yet, which are the things you don't say when you want to approach a mentor. So I think it's it's a good opportunity to stay tuned, get your pencil out so you don't miss these great, great words of wisdom. And, and let's take off with Rashim. Here we go. Thank you 
so much for coming on to talk to us about mentoring. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. I would love to just hear a little bit more about you and the kind of work you do. And then, of course, I want to hear all about mentorship. But let's start off. Yeah, just hear a little about, about yourself. me. Well, it depends on who you ask. If you ask my 14-year-old, I'm so boring, lame, and uncool. But if you ask me... You know. <laughs> which, which means you're, you're in the right place because we're also right. kind of lame and uncool. So, uh, so we all fit together. Yeah. So I've been in um, the nonprofit uh, sort of arena for pretty much all of my adult career and been doing a lot around leadership development. I have a background in leadership development, both personally and professionally and academically. I'm on quite a few boards. Uh, One board, I'm a board president and a board chair in another space. So I do a lot around like organizing and leadership development. I also do quite a bit of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And then I do quite a bit of scholarship and research. So my research tends to focus on marginalized populations and even more specifically Black women. So I've done studies around Black women in doctoral programs, Black women in master's programs, Black women dealing with substance abuse, Black women and motherhood. That's pretty like when it comes to research largely where my niche um, lies. I've published a few academic publications around that topic and around also around the topic of motherhood. For the purposes of our time today, um, I think we'll probably talk a bit more about that. One of my more recent research papers that were published called Mentorship. And Mentorship, again, is that focuses around Black women, specifically in doctoral programs. The full name, academic, we give names that are just like long and wordy and unnecessary. So the short name is Mentorship, and then it has a colon. So if anyone is trying to look for it, it's Mentorship colon, um, exploring the mentoring relationships of Black women in doctoral programs. And then another one is She Persisted. That's the short version of it. She Persisted colon, the pursuit, persistence, and power of Black women in social work graduate programs. It's only a small part of regime, but uh, we appreciate you sharing it. And we want to hear the entire titles so it can be found. I like how you're like, <laughs> we try to shorten everything, but there always needs to be a bit more context than all oh, yeah. the word with a hyphen. Exactly. So these are some really important topics. And I'm going to ask kind of a lighter question to begin with, because I sure. always am interested in kind of diction and word choice and where this mm-hmm. comes from. So when mm-hmm. you chose Mentor Shape to be mm-hmm. the, the quick title for your research, why did you put those two words together? And how did you feel that that was like a great summation for what was a, a significant amount of work and effort and then, you know, output for people to, to read. Oh, that's a perfect starter question, Jimmy. So it came up, of course, because it focused large, largely on mentoring, but also how to shape that relationship. So it was basically like putting those two together. Like you have the mentor and the mentee, but this exploration was specifically, how do we cultivate this? So the research focused on like, how do you make that first initial connection? How do you maintain that? What are, what are good ways to consider and look at matching, like specifically like how to shape this mentoring experience. So that's why I'm just like mentor shape. Of course, people were like, that word doesn't exist. And I'm like, ah, I have a PhD. I get to make up words. <laughs> <laughs> Did you not see my acronyms? Yeah. This Did means... you not see that? Yeah. In essence, that's what that means. I, I get initials. to make up words. Because <laughs> we talk so much about how mentorship, even me- like there's so many feelings sometimes about the word mentor, but we always use mentoring versus mentorship. But we had never thought, Jimmy, of mentorship, obviously, because we do not, we do not have PhDs or any kind of I was just going to say your your podcast is a melding of words, right? Augmentor. 
that's kind of a a play on it. Uh huh. Uh huh. It, it's a melding <laughs> of words or a misspelling of just oh. augmenting. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, you you can choose how you want to go with it. I, I'm actually in my head, Rashim. I'm thinking almost this is a bit of like a model of like uh, somebody who's working with ceramic potter as they are like actually molding something, and that the relationship you you literally shape it over time. It can mm-hmm. fall, droop. You bring it back, and it takes like kind of constant tending. I like that because in in Ghost, it's both of their hands on it. It's not mentor speaking on a mountaintop. Um, so often as we, I think, picture people in leadership positions, determining how this thing will be shaped. It's both people shaping it and determining how it be sh- will be shaped. I think, actually, it doesn't happen enough in in um, some of the mentoring programs. I think they make an effort to do that, whether it's like speed mentoring or that sort of thing. But there is that first initial, like, let's see how we connect. That is always such a big part of it. That's one of our principles is connection because it's huge. It's huge. Mm-hmm. And there is kind of a chemistry element to it. But then there is also sometimes not. And you do just start showing up for each other, even if it isn't kind of that initial spark. But mm-hmm. what got you so interested, what got you interested enough in mentoring to write mm-hmm. this entire amazing research paper on it? How did that come to you? Well, at the time, um, I was actually in a doctoral program myself. I actually interviewed more than what ended up being in the study. Probably interviewed or had questions completed by hundreds of Black women in graduate school and several variations and at several different placements of graduate school. I was also in a group called Sister Scholar, and it was just basically peer mentoring, where we were all in different doctoral programs at different locations all around the world, and we were sharing our experiences and sharing some of the things that we were working on. It just came up kind of in my conversations with other Black women and also in my own lived experience, like, how do we navigate this? And there's like so much in mentoring or in any environment that are like unspoken, unwritten rules around how to be socialized in this particular setting, right? Because it's not just it's not just like you show up and you just follow whatever the established rules are. You need to know how to operate within the culture. You need to be socialized and acclimated in a particular way. And also, there are times where you need situational mentorship. Like, how do I navigate this specific instance, right? How do I approach my chair about XYZ? How do I get help and support? And how they did that, it, there was a lot of variation, but there were some consistent themes that came up in the 35 Black women that um, I had the opportunity to interview for this. And the things that I specifically designed uh, the research to focus on are how do you make that, how do you identify and connect with um, a person who's going to to actually be your mentor? And then um, engagement. What is a, a level of engagement that makes sense for you mentoring? So a lot of the women, they're in their doctoral program, they're married, they have children, they work full-time jobs. They're not younger. They, they also have their own mind, their own lived experiences. How do you mentor an adult person who has, you know, done all of these things and also has limited time? So sometimes the perfect mentor isn't someone who's available 24 hours a day necessarily. So some of the things we looked at, what is the frequency of the of communication that was meaningful for you? And how did you make that relationship effective? Um, so to give you a little bit, let me get into, I guess, more of the how this research was shaped. So um, making the connection was very important. What was the type and level of relationship? So was this, um, these are questions that I asked them or measured. What was the degree of formality? With you making this connection, 
at this particular level with this particular engagement, I asked all of the women, what did you get out of this mentorship experience or relationship that you would not have otherwise received? And that was also telling and very helpful because a lot of them expressed that their mentors helped them not only navigate the internal process and space, but also help them beyond in terms of like they have skills and information and things that could help them beyond that particular space. Another thing that came up was a lot of the relationships were quite informal and not all of them were in the academy. So some of their mentors were outside of the academy. Some of their mentors that helped them navigate the academy were in the job. So it's like really important to kind of just like know as a mentor, if you could identify specifically what it is you need. I really like this quote by Oprah Winfrey about mentorship. She says, a mentor is someone who allows you to see the hope inside yourself. And I really like that because it adds on to something that Maya Angelou said, in order to be a mentor and an effective one, you must care. You must care. You don't have to know how many square miles are in Idaho. You don't need to know what's the chemical makeup of chemistry or blood or water. No, you need to know what you know and care about the person that you care about. And you need to care about sharing with that person. So that came up with a lot of folks that they had people in their lives who cared. And some of that mentoring or support came in the form of, you're up studying late, let me bring you some tea. Let me encourage you. Let me remind you that you can do it. And I don't think we always think of mentorship or that type of support in that particular way. I think we think of, this is where I want to go. This person is there. So let me talk to them. But what I found in, in my studies is that mentoring for these Black women came from a multiple different sources. And also that the most effective one or the ones that seem to get the most out of their experiences were mentored by several people in different aspects. And there was a lot of match in race and gender in mentoring, helping to navigate racism and sexism and all of those sorts of things. But there were some women who were mentored largely by white men. And those were folks who are in the tech field, tech or technology, business and medicine, tend to, tend to have men mentors, but largely because those were the ones who had access, had the information, or even had the ability to, to support them in the process. So they found less competition in their white male mentors in that in those particular fields. Rashim, in the beginning, you mentioned uh, kind of formality and how the relationships began. Can you mm -hmm. talk a little bit about when you were doing research on formality, was it breaking down power structures in the beginning? Like I could see if it was, you know, a lack of representation in whether healthcare or tech, and so there are you know, executives that are white men coming in and like how there was in these initial relationships and in these initial times that there was more success in creating kind of a, hey, I just care about the person. You know, I don't want your title. It, there's none of these other aspects going on. When it was, let me say, when it was the mentee pursuing a particular mentor, which could be challenging because a lot of people might be after mm -hmm. them. They're highly sought, sought after and they can't really make that make that connection. And there were no formal mechanisms in place like a program or a structure that paired you, right? The ones that were most successful, not only connected with similar interests, but created a mutually beneficial relationship. So they would go to, they say, they would say, you're studying the likelihood of pineapples growing under the sea. I'm very much interested in pineapples growing under the sea. And I know that's a lot of work. Let me do a literature review for you. 
unless like and so they would collaborate on stuff so they found ways to collaborate and add to that particular person that they were interested in having as their mentor they were they had ways of like supporting them and helping them and so then there's this there's this way in which you start off as a mentor you would start off in this particular way and it would develop midway through where you are now colleagues and then there's peer mentoring and then we're bringing things to each each other. Now, this was kind of informal, but if a person were to de- develop a program, I would highly recommend that approach, particularly if you are a mentee and you are looking to court, if you will, a mentor, contribute to their work because otherwise it could sound like and feel like I'm going to come to you and I want you to pour into me as an empty vessel. And they have their own research. They have their own work that they're trying to do. It was an informal thing. But it helped to it helped them to be quite successful. Another gotcha. thing that I think that was quite informal, again, because most of the women, they didn't have any structures in place that actually pointed them or in a particular direction or paired them with the person. But they would also, in addition to like helping them with with whatever work they were doing, they would be cognizant of their time and be very specific when they did have the relationship. So it's not like the the person would come to them and say, help. They would say, you wrote this paper on X, Y, Z. I really appreciate how you broke down this, this, and this. I'm just having a trouble with this specific part of like, how do you do this? So they were very poignant and very specific and not uh, super general. And those things found made the relationship much more successful. I love that idea and something that I think when Jimmy and I first started this, one of the reasons why we did is because we had sort of younger people coming to us, both, you know, obviously both the kind of businesses that we work in and just saying, hey, you know, help me. I need help. Basically like connect me to somebody, help me find a job, like Mm -hmm. without any connection, not having that connection, as you talked about, which by the way, Oprah Winfrey is our spirit guide for connection, which I know we're just talking oh. about connection and we're talking about this again. So we're definitely on the same page all the way around on that. But also that idea of coming to something really specific and saying, hey, I see you're doing that. Can I help you with that? And while I know your research and what you're talking about is really focused on higher ed, that is brilliant. What a great way to come up with somebody even in business or you know, hey, I see you're running this kind of a company. I'd love to, you know, I've, I've done a little research on X, Y, and Z. I'd love to share that with you. Can I get the chance to meet that? Making sure you're bringing value in that initial conversation as a mentee, I think mm-hmm. just means that you care, you pay attention, you're showing up with a quality perspective. I definitely agree. I think it applies everywhere. And I will tell you, for people who were also being mentors themselves, one of the things that makes their ears bleed in this study that they absolutely did not like for people to say was... Ears bleed. Vicious. Ears bleed. <laughs> let me pick your brain. term. Wow. Yeah. They hated Ooh, your I Let me pick your brain. I hated that. That's just an awful visual anyways. I think I, the first time I heard it, I was like, do people really say this? And I'm like, oh, people really say this. But, oh gosh, it's the worst. That was, yeah, that was definitely one of the more common things that that people who are mentors themselves did not appreciate or people come to people and they want them to mentor them, but they have no real familiarity with their actual work. And I like what you're saying, you know, kind of being, so did you find that people being more specific when they came to ask a mentor about a specific thing was more beneficial that worked better than kind of just walking in and throwing up your arms and saying help? Yeah. It's not only more beneficial, if they could also add to something that that their mentor was working on in a particular way 
make a suggestion. I mean, maybe approach it like, I think I wish I wonder, I think is a good way to um, approach something with curiosity and compassion in a very non-confrontational way. If you are going to say something that is where you're going to agree, uh, I'm sorry, disagree or provide a critique, I think I wish I wonder is a good way to just start the, start the sentence with curiosity and compassion. So if a person referenced Freud and Oprah, if they said, I wonder what uh, Jimmy might have to say on this topic, because, you know, he wrote on XYZZ element of P, as opposed to saying, well, you missed out what Jimmy said, and he talked on this topic, you know. Also, what it creates is, one, you're familiar with my work, you want to add to it, you want to highlight it, but then a beautiful thing happened in the mentoring relationship where the mentors start coming to the mentee and asking them, what do you think of this? And that was, like, really transformational for a lot of them because that person saw them as an expert, a colleague at minimum, and then at best, like, an expert on that topic. And it was just really transformational. I love that the evolution in the relationship can really be a kind of a, an adjustment point for people to say, oh, wow, whether it's going to peer mentoring or whatever comes next, uh, it can really be validating. I'm really interested in, in the multiple mentors uh, part. You've mentioned this a couple times now. Do you think that this was something that was specific to uh, the Black women that you were studying? Or was this something that is just missed by most uh, mentoring groups that it's, it's like it takes a village? It, it, it should never be about, you know, one person to do the generic help. And even if you have yeah. specific questions for one person, you're probably going to need more. Well, what do you think? I definitely think there is something within Black culture and or within minor, minority culture where we create these women networks, even whether it is parenting or working on something like a community project or what have you, there's just this way in which it is not, it's less individualized, it's less of a one-to-one connection. Also, I think one of the things that came up is that their needs were just vast. And one of the things that happens, and I've, and I've experienced this, is that there could be such an investment and interest in the success of Black women in doctoral programs by their community that they will just show up for you in very interesting um, and particular ways. So when I'm out and navigating about in the world, I don't, nec- I don't go out and say I'm Dr. Rasheen. But the second Black person, specifically if they're an elder Black person, learn that I am, that I have a PhD, they immediately want to hold me in that esteem and say, no, you're Dr. Rasheen. Because there's a sense of pride in it. I think that that's also a component where people who just want to see someone who looks like them win and that and it's a sense of cultural pride also. So I think it's a combination of like, I think women create networks around them and, and we do stuff collectively. I will tell you one of my very, very favorite uh, quotes or proverbs of all time. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And I think Black women who go together or when Black women go together, we're just more, more successful. So true. Incredible. And I, I feel grateful to be part of a lot of women's networks. And Jimmy's actually joined a bunch of them as well. Smart move, Jimmy. Doing some mentoring programs. Totally. Gotta go. Gotta go with the girl gang. I mean, this has just been 
phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing all of this uh, and your incredible research. I think you brought some really new things to our minds, and we've had a lot of conversations on this topic. We would love to hear a little bit if you have, you know, folks coming to you to talk to you about mentoring. Do you have a particular resource that you generally share? Specifically on mentoring, if you type in mentor shape and then type in Rashim, you'd, you'd find it on like Google Scholar. Also, I wrote an article called She Persisted. It is about Black women in social work programs and what were the key factors in them being persistent. I think that that's helpful. I post a lot of things on uh, my IG. My IG is blackademic underscore woman. Um, there I go making up words again, blackademic. Uh, I love that. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> also on my website, S-H-V-I-L-L-A. R-A-S-H-E-E-M.com. It has all of my research, how to get in contact with me. Um, And then I have a uh, show on YouTube called The Counter Narrative Show, where I interview experts in different fields. And when I say experts, I want to be very specific that there, there are spaces where I interview people who are professionally trained around a particular topic. But also, I definitely prioritize and value lived experience as a type of expertise. So my one of my most recent ones was uh, Black Trans Lives as a Site of Resistance. So I'm interviewing Black trans folks. Or um, board membership. Uh, why is that important to be on a nonprofit board? And so that is on my YouTube channel. And it's just s.rashim. Or you could type in The Counter Narrative Show. All of this is in the show notes. So, <laughs> awesome. We'll have them below. Dr. Rashim, as always, your way with words uh, just puts my brain on fire. Uh, I, I love it. Uh, I, I don't think your website name is too long at all, Shavilla Rashim. I think it's great. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, j- just fantastic. Thank you so much. And normally I ask for, I have to prompt people for like, what's a quote or some kind of takeaway. And I already have, you know, so many throughout just your uh, one, which you kind of like put as a throwaway The I think I wish I wonder if people kept that in mind in their conversations daily, I think we would have such like transformative effects to our personal mm. relationships and therefore society. So it's a big deal. Uh, how it made, it made a post-it. It made a post-it oh. on my computer. So that is my it's perfect. It's so oh, true. What a great way to be able to have conversations and just share without directing. And as you said, kind of that mentor on the mountaintop, you know, mm-hmm. giving that direction, like how do you mm-hmm. have those conversations? It's wonderful. People who have creativity with words and language, you know, that's such like, you know, some people are almost freaked out to say, oh, I'm going to like adjust this word or make it up and like not actually kind of play with it. Do you have like a feel for like where that like skill or even like desire or like enjoyment of like messing around with language comes from? Have you seen anything in all your studies? Can I tell you this? And this is going to sound really weird. I think somewhat it's a black thing. And here's what I mean. One, I think we creative with names. We take a, 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 a first name of this person, a last name of this person. And we have names like Bonquisha. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? We we will have uh, Mark, Quan, and Tasha, and we will name our child Mark, Quan, Tasha. When you hear, or, and it's also, I feel like, could be a Southern thing where uh, you can make one word out of a whole bunch of words where a person might say, I'm about to go to the store, and my grandmother might say, I'm fixing to go. You know, I think that there's this way in which there's just shorthand of these two go together, so let's make this new thing. So I think that some of it comes from that. 
And I think that there is a degree of being in the academy that I feel like I have extra com- permission to just make up what I want. And I also think that there's a bit of just like uh, creative thinking. That's where I think. Gotcha. Just sometimes just pop into your head, right? It's like sometimes you just. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah, sometimes. And I'm sure people are very familiar with like chill and relax, chillax. You know, I think I think we we play with words quite a bit. I think in rap culture, they play with words quite a bit. I think it's just some of us are given more license and permission to coin terms than others. And, I mean, it, and it gives like some some power and ownership over the language once you start mm-hmm. you know, adjusting it a little bit. I, mm-hmm. I wonder too if it has something to do with like cities and the amount of people bouncing into each other. Because even though mm-hmm. I'm not like from Boston, I'm from a city next to Boston. I don't mm-hmm. have like a single friend that I call by their given name. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. got a nickname to some degree. I, other than my wife, Heather, like who mm-hmm. I give the full name to, there's like <laughs> almost nobody else. Uh, right. But Rasheen, yeah. you, you rock. Thank you so much. Oh, for thank y'all for having me. This is fun. We hope this episode was brief yet bright, and now it's time to read us out. And remember, we are here because real relationships have the power to transform organizations and build dynamic communities. Go ahead, Jimmy. Absolutely. Augmenters supports mentoring that matters. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about someone who needs a new mentoring relationship in their life pronto. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us, or via social media with our handle at augmentershq. Shout out to our producers, Erlen Cato and Sean Omendam. Thank you. Augmenters out. See ya.